Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see everyone here today. It's uh, great to be with you in God's house as we worship the Lord together uh, this morning. And we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here today and hope that you'll be feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would, if you don't mind, uh, please fill that out as completely as you feel comfortable. And uh, uh, and especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there and we'll put you on that list. For uh, It's a great way to keep up with activities here at Community Baptist Church. I think that this week is, uh, well, it's back to school week, isn't it? 
We hear the groan from the front row kids. No comment from the youth back there. <laughs> okay, yep, it's back to school week. I think some folks are having their last hurrah before school starts. And uh, uh, but we need to be in prayer for our children this week. We need to be prayer for our, be in prayer for our teachers this week as as they get uh, started on a new school year. And we hope it's going to be a great year for you. Uh, dinner, our dinner schedule will begin again. Uh, our regular dinner schedule will begin again on Wednesday with uh, smothered chicken at 5:45. And uh, thank you, Mary, for kind of heading up our summer summer suppers, summer light suppers, or something like that. Simmer, simple <laughs> summer suppers. Simple summer suppers. Uh, they were excellent, and and usually they were not very simple, and uh, and but they they were summer, and uh, and they were delicious. So thank you for heading that up during our summertime. Yeah. Yes. I have an announcement. Yes. Wednesday night uh, we're going to start a choir practice again. Now this is your opportunity to join the choir. So we'd love to have you. We're going to start working on our specials for Sunday. So anybody would. Like to come. We start right after Bible study, which is around 7:20 mm-hmm. usually. And so, come and join us. Try it out. Come join the choir. Come yeah. join the choir. I got a new Lots member back there today. He, John. <laughs> He's not going to sing. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Okay, a couple other things coming up uh, next Sunday morning. We will be uh, upward. Our upward program is is about to get up and running again. And next Sunday morning, we will be having our volunteer uh, breakfast at nine o'clock. And so we invite all of you to come for that because there's not anybody here who can't do something to help with our upward. Um, we need all sorts of things. We need people to to work in the concession stand. We need coaches. We need commissioners. We need we need people just to pray. I shouldn't say just to pray. That's the most important thing. We need people to pray. And I know that every one of you can do that. Uh, so we invite all of you, each of you, to come to our volunteer breakfast uh, next Sunday at 9 o'clock. We'll be having that here at the church. And, um, and you can sign up for, to do something to help with our upward program that's right around the corner, folks. And then we also invite everyone uh, to stay after church today. We got set up over here. We're going to have a potluck dinner after church today. So we invite you to come and uh, share that time and break bread with us uh, this afternoon. It's great to be here with you. It's great to share the love of Christ and uh, the worship of our Lord in this time. And so let me now invite you to stand and let us greet each other in the name of God.
like for you to remain standing and joining us in a praise song. It's called Give Us Clean Hands. We bow our heads, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes. Yo 
How would your deeper formation help to deepen the formation of our church? And how would your deeper formation and the deeper formation of our church help to deepen the formation of the world? And um, whenever I took this home that week and, and prayed on it, and that's the part of, of uh, Donnings at this point that I'm still struggling with. I still have, I, ha- I have no problem praying for all of you, uh, but I still have a little, a little struggle going on with praying the questions. So I took that home that week, and uh, I prayed on it daily, and the word intentional, which we had discussed in our meeting, kept coming to me. And I thought, for me personally, I need to become more intentional in my daily prayer life, in my daily scripture reading. So um, I started making a list of all the people that I felt that I needed to pray for and uh, groups of people, uh, the church, our, our Donnings, everyone on our Donnings team. And I take that each evening and I intentionally set aside time to pray. And then uh, on the daily scripture, I, w- I was still struggling with the particular translation that I was using of the Bible. So uh, there was a translation that Jika was using in our Sunday school class, so I intentionally went out and purchased that translation of the Bible. So if you struggle with your scripture reading, I would suggest that maybe you look for a different translation than what you're currently using. Uh, that has helped to bring the scripture more alive for me, and uh, I can relate to it better. And one of them I've been using is the voice, and then the one that, uh, that Jika was using was the message. And uh, I have found that to be um, to help with my, with my Bible, with my scripture time. And then, like I said, we would pray the questions. Now, you ask, well, what, what is the end result? What, what is this group? That's meeting. What what are we hoping in the end to accomplish through this journey? So we are praying and trying to listen, read the scripture, dig deeper into what is God's will for Community Baptist Church. Um, another thing that Dr. Hobbs gave all of us a book. It's called The Present Future. I would recommend this book to anyone. Uh, it's written by Reggie McNeil, and there was uh, something that I underlined in here. It says, God's gracious invitation to the church is to rediscover itself. It will do this by dying to itself and, a co- and coming alive to God's mission. And I think that pretty much sums up why we are going through this journey together. We are looking to find out what is God's mission for us as a group of believers. Thank you. That was perfect, and I too am honored to be on the Dawnings team. And it's kind of a different way when we first started the Dawnings. Even when I do the responsive reading, I ask you to join me to really speak the words and listen to what we're speaking. God of the hungry, shelter of the homeless, provider of all we need and much of what we want. You welcome us like a parent calling a child to a nourishing meal.
As you replenish us with food for our souls, turn our eyes and hearts to the needs of our brothers and sisters who go to bed hungry and wake up longing for bread. Give us enough trust to live secure in your love and to share it freely with others in open-handed confidence so that your grace, like loaves and fishes, will never run out. Before I begin, I just want to remind everyone that I was the chair of the Pastor Search Committee, and 10 years ago I was the happiest guy on the face of the earth. (laughs) And I'm still happy. It's been a great 10 years. Thanks. This is Matthew 14, starting with verse 13. When Jesus had heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's stand and sing. Yeah. 
be seated. Miss Mary? I didn't even see you come in. You snuck in, didn't you? Well, here, did y'all notice that we're talking about the five loaves of bread and the two fish today? And that's what Miss Lana taught in Sunday school. And that's what we're going to do in children's church. Do what? That's okay. We're going to talk about it in children's church, too. And then Chris, um, our friend Chris, when he read the scripture, did you notice that scripture? And, And guess what? I got children's moment today, and we're going to talk about, what, five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, I don't understand this story, because from five loaves of bread, think about going to the grocery store and buying five loaves of bread and two little fish. That Jesus, our friend, he took that and turned that into food for 5,000 people. And they still had left over. Did Miss Sue teach that in her Sunday school, too? Okay, they still had food left over. Now, that is a powerful man. Jesus, our friend, did that. But you know what? You guys are just as powerful. And let's watch this really short video, and then I'm going to tell you what I mean. Because you can turn a little bit of something into a whole lot of something. All right, you ready? This is the story of how God used something small to do something great. Our story begins with Jesus. He was in the countryside, and people came from far and wide to listen as he taught the word of God. The crowd grew till it was great, the day started getting late, but there was one thing that they all forgot. Food! It's like a baptism. And everyone was hungry, but there were too many people to just go out and buy some. So they asked. What to do? Jesus said, What do you have? The twelve disciples started asking people in the crowd if they had food. They found some, but it wasn't much. A little boy had brought his lunch, and he gave it for the Lord to use. Yeah, he gave his lunch for the Lord to use. He had two fish and five loaves of bread. There was no way that would feed all those men. But Jesus had a plan. He took the fish and loaves of bread, held them up over his head, and blessed the food, giving thanks to God. The food began to multiply, and soon every girl and guy ate all they could. It tasted so good, and there were tons of leftovers for everyone, especially him. The little boy gave what he had. It wasn't much to him, but to Jesus it was infinitely, absolutely, positively huge. And that's the story of how Jesus used two fish and five loaves of bread to feed thousands of people. Do you guys get it? 
If every single person helps a little bit, we can do great things. Let me show you a couple of examples. We're having a lunch today. I don't see a bit of food. Hmm. But I bet when we come out of Children's Church, I'll bet there'll be more food in this place than ever. You know why? Because we all pitched in together, and we're all putting our food together to make one great big meal. And that's how Jesus wants us to act. How many of you guys have brought plastic lids in? Have you all brought plastic lids in? Pardon? Well, that's great. We need bags, too. Look over there at that table. Our, Our lids are running over again. One lid, that doesn't do a whole lot of anything. But you know what? We have brought enough lids to get two benches and one picnic table, and we still have enough to get a big bench. We're ready to get a big bench now. Guess how many pounds of lids we've brought in? Anybody want to take a guess? 1,274 pounds of plastic lids this church has brought in. That's pretty cool. And we have enough to get our big bench now. Now, if you just brought in one lid, would that have worked? No, it wouldn't have. But we all work together. And these are just little ways that we can help God. What about um, Miss Christine and the Women's Mission? They're planning that big yard sale, Highway 60 yard sale. If we left it all on Miss Christine and said, you bring the stuff in for the yard sale. You think she'd have enough to make any money to help do other things in the community? No. But if everybody brings their goodies in, we'll have enough goodies to have a really good yard sale. And then what do we do with that money? We turn around and do God's work with it. And that's how the story of the five loaves and two fish, when we all do things together for good of other people, then everything multiplies. You got it? Okay, let's go back and talk a little bit more about multiplying our love and things we can do for God. Ready? Okay. Multiply our 
Will you pray with me? Our Father, the bread of life, we thank you for the many gifts you provide, like this place we have to worship, our Pastor Tim and his family we celebrate today, and our church family. Thank you, God. Your grace, compassion, and love are a constant reminder we have been blessed and we are to be a blessing to others. Open our hearts that we would give abundantly of our time, talents, and gifts as you have taught us. Gracious God of miracles, we bring these, our tithes and offerings, to you this morning. Please accept them as part of our worship. May they, like the little supply of bread and fish that fed the thousands, be blessed and multiplied for service to the building of your kingdom. For God, you are the bread of life from whom all blessings flow. In Christ's living name we pray. Amen.
this is our Father's world. Aren't you glad? There is a um, time-honored story about a pastor and his wife who invited the uh, church council and their spouses over to, to dinner one night. And it was quite an undertaking, but this couple wanted to be a good example uh, for the leaders of their church. But when it came time for dinner, the pastor's wife asked her four-year-old daughter if she would say grace. And her daughter said, I don't know what to say. And her mother said, well, honey, just say what I say. And so everybody bowed their heads and the little girl prayed, dear Lord, why did we ever have these people over for dinner? You know, I just wonder if that may have been what Jesus felt like when he looked out over those 5,000 plus people who came to hear him teach. We call the story the feeding of the 5,000, but that's really a bit misleading because Matthew tells us that it was 5,000 men plus women and children. So if each man had a wife and just one or two children, the numbers could have been more like 10,000 or even more. Dear Lord, why, do, why am I ever having all these people over for dinner? This is one of the best-known stories in all of the Bible. All four of the Gospels include this in their telling of Jesus' life. And the story comes at an interesting time. You see, as, as you read the Gospels, you'll see that this comes just after Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by King Herod. And when Jesus heard what had happened, he went to a solitary place, probably to reflect on what had happened to John and to consider the ramifications for his own ministry and probably also to spend a little time grieving for the loss of his cousin. You see, see, Jesus understood grief. He understood what it's like to lose someone that you love. So he wanted some time away. He wanted some time by himself. But the crowd would not leave him alone. They followed him on foot. And when Jesus saw this mob of people following after him, Matthew tells us that he had compassion on them. Now this tells us a lot about the kind of man that Jesus was. His primary tasks were to train his disciples and to proclaim the kingdom of God. But he also had an enormous amount of compassion for people's needs. And so when people came to him for healing or for guidance, he couldn't help himself but to respond. Well, evening was approaching and the disciples said, this is a remote place. We're out here in the middle of nowhere, Jesus It's getting late. Why don't you send everybody home so that they can go get some food for themselves? But Jesus' response was, not necessary. We can feed them. And can you imagine the disciples' surprise when he said that? That's crazy, they thought. That's crazy. All we have here are five loaves of bread and two tiny fish. That's not enough for us. You need to send them away before we have a problem on our hands. But you know what? Five loaves of bread and two small fish are a gracious plenty in the hands of the master. Bring them to me, he said. 
And taking the bread and the fish, he gave thanks, and he broke them, and he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And guess what happened? There was plenty to go around, lots of food to go around. And and then when they were finished distributing their food, they they had 12 basketfuls of leftovers. What a wonderful story that is. Jesus fed nearly 10,000 people out in the wilderness without a catering service in sight. No carry-out, no pizza delivery truck. This is a remarkable story, and it's a story that I think is very important for us today. So what lessons can we learn from this beautiful story? Well, the first thing that I think we can learn is that this is a reminder to us of Christ's compassion. This is a reminder of Christ's compassion. When Jesus saw the large crowd of people, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. One of the most impressive things about Jesus was his compassion. All throughout the Gospels, he he called to the tired and hungry hearts and, and says to them, come to me and I will give you rest. To parents of small children, he says, bring them to me. He says the same thing concerning those who are afflicted. Bring them to me, he says. Bring, bring me blind Bartimaeus. Bring me the leopard. Bring the, the physically challenged, the person struggling with demons of emotional distress. In fact, on one occasion, his invitation was so compelling that four friends lowered a paralyzed man through the roof of a house. Bring them to me. He compelled people to do that. You see, Jesus came with one purpose and desire. To seek and to save the lost. To heal those who are hurting. At the beginning of his ministry, he proclaimed his mission statement as this. He said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. When he gazed out over Jerusalem, he wept. And he did this because he knew the heartaches and the headaches. He knew the hungers that go with being a human being. He understood. I heard about a school in England that offers a course on compassion, a whole course on compassion. Over the course of a semester, every student in this course will have one blind day, one lame day, one day when he or she cannot speak, one day, one deaf day. The night before someone, someone's blind day, that person's eyes are bandaged and he wakes up in the darkness and, and helplessness. He's completely dependent on others to guide him throughout the day. These students, don't, they don't need to ask, what does it feel like to be blind? What does it feel like to be deaf? What does it feel like to be lame or unable to speak? They know. And they know because they've been there. And in the same way, the Son of God learned what it means to be human. He entered our world. He experienced what we experience in our lives. And so he has compassion for each of us. So my friends, when we hurt, 
He understands because he's been hurt too. So bring the masses from the ends of the earth. The compassionate Christ is their hope. William Booth knew that when he took the Salvation Army out to the homeless people of his time. John Wesley knew that when he began preaching out in the fields to people to whom the established church had closed their doors. Mother Teresa knew that as she ministered to the least and the lost in the streets of Calcutta, India. As one poet wrote, Who will go and and help this shepherd king, help him the wandering ones to find? Who will bring the lost ones to the fold where they'll be sheltered from the cold? Bring them in, bring them in. Bring the wandering ones to Jesus. But why should we bring the wandering ones to Jesus? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus cares. He cares about their needs. And He cares about your needs and my needs. And because He cares, because He cares, listen to this, folks, because He cares, we too should care. You see, Jesus had compassion for that crowd of folks. And He still gazes upon us with that same kind of compassion today. So what does that say to us about our role as a church? Well, one thing that it says is that the measure of our success as followers of Jesus will never be based on how full our church is or how high our steeple is. The measure of our success will always be how willing we are to minister to the least and the lowest in our community. That's the first lesson we learn from this amazing story. Jesus had compassion for the crowd. Here's the second. It's never a question of resources. It's a question of commitment. When Jesus told his disciples to feed the crowd of thousands, they only had a few loaves of fish, I mean, a few loaves of bread and a couple of tiny fish. And yet, in the master's hands, that was enough. Some of you may be familiar with um, Dorothy Day. You might know the story of Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day was a Roman Catholic layperson and a person of great faith. She started a newspaper called The Catholic Worker to take up the cause of the poor. She also opened the first of many Catholic worker houses designed to meet the needs of the lowest and the in our society. And some of you are familiar, those of you who went to the, the mission trip with us a, a number of years ago down to Atlanta, some of you are familiar with the open door community that we serve there. Uh, and that ministry, it's not a Catholic worker house, but it is fashioned after the Catholic worker house uh, movement there. Well, Dorothy Day, she never had much money. She never had much money. But a friend of hers, Peter Morin, convinced Dorothy that God had sent him to help her do this work. And he told her that whatever she had would be enough. Whatever she had would be enough. And that's quite a promise. That's really a remarkable promise because Dorothy Day was always extremely generous in giving what she had away. 
But Peter told her, whatever you have is all, will always be enough. You see, the newspaper staff was often upset because Dorothy would take the money that was set aside for rent or for paper or for supplies, and she would spend it on food for the homeless. And there were a lot of times when it looked like they, they wouldn't have enough money to go on because Dorothy had spent it all on the poor, and then somebody would turn up and give them a gift, and it was always just enough to meet their needs. You see, Pete Moore and, and Dorothy Day believe that when it comes to meeting people's needs, it's never a question of resources. Where there's a will, there's a way. And when it's God's will, there is most certainly a way. Now, there have been many theories about how God, how Christ was able to feed all of these thousands of people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. One, of course, is the miraculous nature that Jesus, as the Son of God, possessed. But another explanation is found in the best-selling book from the 1940s called The Robe. Many of you are familiar with that. And if you're not familiar with the book, you may have seen the movie. It came out in the 1950s. It was um, starring uh, Richard Burton as a Roman soldier named Marcellus Gallio. And it seems that Marcellus, who was a fictional character, but based on a real character, he was supposedly among the soldiers who cast lots for Jesus' robe at the foot of the cross. And his troubled mind was suddenly soothed when he touched the robe of Jesus. Well, later on, he finds favor with Emperor Tiberius and is commissioned to investigate this new emerging religion called Christianity. And naturally, this investigation brought him into contact with a lot of people who knew Jesus personally. And one of these people was present at the feeding of the 5,000. And as this disciple told what happened that day, the issue was not that there wasn't enough food. There was plenty of food to go around. You see, most of the people had brought enough provisions for themselves that day, that day, but they kept their store of fish and bread hidden. And it was not until that young boy stepped forward with his two fish and his five loaves, small loaves of bread that people started offering what they had as well. Everybody broke out their food and like a, like a good church potluck, after the multitude was fed, there was 12 baskets left over. This is the same explanation given by renowned Bible scholar William Barclay. Barclay says the miracle was not the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. It was the transformation of selfish people into generous people. It was the miracle of the birth of love in grudging hearts. It was a miracle of changed men and women with something of Christ in them that banished the selfishness in their hearts. And of course, we don't really know how Jesus fed this multitude, and it doesn't really matter. The miracle is that he did it. And he did it beginning with only five loaves of bread and two tiny fish. You see, it wasn't a question of resources. 
but of commitment. And that's the way it is with us as well, folks. If we as a people were really sincere in seeking to meet our community's needs, then resources would ultimately not be a problem. It is, a, it is commitment that is always the determining factor in God's work. Let me let you in on a little secret, folks. If we are pursuing God's will, God will provide. Let me let that sink in just a second. If we are pursuing God's will, God will provide. And that brings us to the final thing that we need to see today. And that is that Christ provided what was needed and even more. You know, I've always been fascinated by that statement. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You know what this says to me? This is a statement of God's abundance. You see, God always provides more than we need to meet our needs. I know that all of us are disturbed when we see on television, we turn our television on and we see images of children who are malnourished and starving in many places around the world. But did you know that this is Totally unnecessary. It is. It's totally unnecessary. In his book titled Outlive Your Life, Max Lucado shares some enlightening truths about the plight of needy people in our world. He begins by telling us that we have ample resources to take care of all of the world's needs. He says a mere 2% of the world's grain harvest would be enough to erase the problems of hunger and malnutrition all over the world if it were shared. If it were shared. There's enough food on the planet to offer every person 2,500 calories of sustenance a day. So we have enough food to feed the hungry. Then he says... We have enough bedrooms to house the orphans. Here's the math. There are 145 million orphans around the world. Nearly 236 million people in the United States call themselves Christians. So from a purely statistical standpoint, American Christians by themselves have the wherewithal to house every orphan in the world. But of course, many people are not in a position to do that. Many are elderly or infirm or unemployed or simply do not feel the call to adopt. Yet what if a small percentage of them did? Hmm. Let's say 6%. If so, we could provide loving homes for the more than 14.1 million children in sub-Saharan Africa who have been orphaned by the AIDS epidemic. It sounds to me like we could be doing more. You know, we we could really be making a difference in this world. And so I wonder, could God be speaking to us this morning? Could God be calling us to a ministry to the hungry, to the homeless, to the orphan, to the lonely, to the hurting? Is there someone in our community, maybe even an, an extended family member, who needs your compassion? today.
looking out over that great multitude of people, I'm sure the disciples prayed, Dear Lord, why did we ever invite all these people for dinner? But Jesus looked at that crowd of people. And he had compassion. And he calls his church to to a ministry of compassion as well. He calls us to meet the needs of the world in his name. And folks, it's not a, a question of resources. God will provide the resources. Indeed, God has already provided the resources. So ultimately, it's a question of how committed we are to Jesus Christ. And all it takes is for someone, some little child maybe, to step forward with their willingness to share their fish and their loaves. No matter how tiny they may seem. For you see, when we step forward and we do something, do something to meet the world's needs, God will provide. Amen? Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And I hope that that this is not just a closing hymn. I hope that this is the prayer of our hearts because that's what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is calling us to be disciples, not just admirers. And I think that's a problem that so many people have today. They admire Jesus from afar, but Jesus doesn't want us to admire him. Jesus wants us to follow him. And if Jesus is compassionate, then he wants us to be compassionate as well. So I hope that this is the prayer of your heart today, that wherever he leads, I'll go. Let's make that our prayer as we sing together.
Well, we have come to the end of our service, uh, but we're not coming to the end of our fellowship because we're going to have dinner together. And this is the test, folks. I've been preaching about the bread and the, and the fish, and uh, the question for today is, is there enough? <laughs> you know what? I'll just bet there is. So everybody, please stay and share lunch with us. Are there any instructions back there, Chris, or anybody? Okay, all right. Be ready to go there in, in just a moment there. So let's, uh, let's bow for our benediction. The road ahead of us is long, and our time is short. What awaits us out there is, at best, uncertain. But as you go forth, know that the love of this fellowship surrounds you. God's face shines upon you so that each day you might tell someone that you love them. Each day you might forgive someone you need to forgive. Each day you might stand up for what is right and just. Help feed someone who is hungry and live in the abundant and audacious hope that you are being redeemed. Amen. Yeah.